Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. You can take your Bibles this morning and turn to John chapter 14. We're going to start there. We'll move on through John chapter 15 and 16. I promise I'm not reading the entirety of all three chapters, but I have a verse from each one I want to share with you today. Because we're talking about engaging with Holy Spirit. I am firmly convinced that this year, 2024, will be one of the most challenging years for the Church of Jesus Christ, not only in America, but around the world. We've already seen the precursor of these things occurring. Christians are being murdered in Nigeria on a regular basis. Other parts of the world are seeing great conflict and persecution against the church. And even here, we see that leaders, government leaders, politicians, have no regard for the church of God, for the church of Jesus Christ, or for God himself. They simply use his name as a crutch to try to gain some credibility. Well, out of the other side of the mouth, it's nothing but lies. And I believe as we move through this year, we're moving closer to the return of Jesus Christ, closer to the time when the Lord himself appears from heaven. When we hear the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ rise first, then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I believe that day is rapidly approaching. And if we are to be prepared as believers, we must engage with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit becomes the litmus test for truth and error. He reveals what is the will of God and what is the will of Satan. He reveals the motivation behind the events and the happenings occurring all around us. Friend, I've come to tell you today, you and I cannot live without engaging with Holy Spirit. You can be a nominal Christian today, but you won't be a Christian tomorrow if you don't learn to engage with Holy Spirit. You say, wow, that's a pretty stern statement. Yes, it is. And I've come to shake you up, to shake us up, to help us to realize this is not the day or the time to play church and play Christianity. This is the day and the time when we must engage with the Spirit of God and see Him do powerful things in and through our lives. I quoted it once, I'll quote it again, John 16, 8, Jesus said, when the Spirit of God comes, He will convince or convict the world of sin. He will convict or convince the world of righteousness. He will convict or convince the world of judgment. It has three meanings. It means that every sinner who encounters Holy Ghost is going to be in, in, convicted of their sin and their lifestyle. Listen, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what behaviors you've engaged in, how you have misnamed your identity. When Holy Spirit encounters you, He convicts you of that sin. And then you have a response. And the response is to resist Him, to push Him away. Say, it doesn't apply to me. I'm not interested in that God stuff. As a result, you're moving further and further away from the hope 
that brings you eternal life. Or you can submit, you can repent, you can turn your heart toward God. And when you do, you become a son or a child of God and everything changes. Let me say it again. God loves you so much, he will not leave you where you're at. He brings you out of sin, out of bondage. The psalmist said he brought us out of the miry clay and set our feet on rock to stay. Talking about Jesus Christ. He said he convinces the world of righteousness. What does that mean? It means that in the world today, there's a lot of people that don't believe Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. They don't believe that he is the son of the living God. They don't believe that he was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died an atoning death, and rose again the third day. He was just a good teacher. Let me tell you something. That's what Holy Spirit does. He convinces people of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that he is who he said he is. He'll do what he said he will do, and he will accomplish what he's determined to accomplish. And then he says he convinces the world of judgment. That simply means that he reminds everybody Satan is his feet, feet, pardon me, his fate is sealed. His absolute destruction is certain. He will not win. He cannot win. He's already stripped from him the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And there will come a time when he turns that old Satan back into the pit and he stays there forever. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. And we have to engage with Him so He can move through our lives to accomplish the will and purposes of God. It's been said that if Americans took a theology exam, God would have to grade on the curve in order for them to pass. Sad but true. Sad but true. A recent survey released with over 3,000 Christians were asked 47 questions about the foundational beliefs of Christianity. Give you a few of the highlights, or I should say lowlights. 69% of Americans agree there's only one true God, one in essence, three in person, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We believe that. One God and three persons. Evangelicals, and that's us, all right, that's us. Believe trusting in Jesus is the only way of salvation, yet two-thirds of evangelicals think heaven is a place where all people will ultimately be united with their loved ones. Wow. What a heresy. Nearly half of those surveyed agreed that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Christianity, And any other ism you want to add to that list. 56% of the group surveyed believe the Holy Spirit is a divine force, but not a personal being. I've come to challenge us to engage with the person of Holy Spirit. To recognize He is God. He is fully God. He's not just a little bit of God. He's God on earth today to reveal His presence, His person, His power, and His plan in the lives of those who hear Him. As I began preparing for this series of messages several weeks ago, I was reminded of a statement that I read in a book several years ago by Francis Chan. The book was The Forgotten God. 
reversing our tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit. He writes, from my perspective, the Holy Spirit is tragically neglected and for all practical purposes, forgotten. While no evangelical would deny his existence, there are millions of church growers across America who cannot confidently say they've experienced his presence or action in their lives over the past year. And many of them don't believe they can. So many times we talk about Holy Spirit and people kind of define this in two ways. Number one, they look at us Pentecostals and Charismatics and they say, well, you had a one-time experience and that was it. Folks, can I tell you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time experience. Every single moment of every single day, we need to be filled and refilled with Holy Spirit. That's the only way we engage with Him. Telling someone, oh, you got filled with the Holy Spirit, you're good to go, is an outright lie. We have got to engage with Him every day. Others, because they've seen excesses from our camp, believe that the Holy Spirit is there, He's real, but He's kind of like their pituitary gland. It's there, they don't know what it does, and they really don't ever think about it. May I tell you, neither one of those positions are correct. Holy Spirit is real. He is a person. He's here to move in our hearts and lives, to lead us, guide us, direct us, teach us, and to take us into the truth of Jesus Christ. No doubt, Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood and ignored member of the Trinity. Now, I know I can't possibly cover everything the Bible says about Him. Not going to try. But I'm going to look at four promises Jesus gave us about Holy Spirit. And we're going to see how that relates in our lives today. To give you some context, Jesus had just told the disciples that he was going to go away. Imagine their disappointment. Imagine their disillusionment. Imagine their heartache when they learned their master was leaving. So to help them come to terms... He gave them four passages. Let's read in John 14, 16, John 14, 26, John 15, 26, and John 16, 7. He said in all four of those, the helper is coming. The helper is coming. Helper comes from the Greek word paraclete. And it can be translated in a variety of ways. Not just helper, but advocate, counselor, friend, guide, teacher, and on and on I can go from that translation. Its meaning is rich and deep. Helper literally means one who comes forward on behalf of and as the representative of another. One is called along to assist. Look at John 14, 16, and 17. Jesus said, and I will ask the Father. He'll give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Notice the Trinity is involved. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all God. Let me say it again. Holy Spirit is not a lesser God. He's not a diminutive form of the Trinity. He is real. He is alive. He is powerful. And He's God on earth today. We read that passage of Scripture and we recognize that He uses the word another. 
by definition, another means one of the same kind or quality. He said, I'm going away, but one just like me is coming back. I'm going away, but what comes back is going to be just like me in power, authority, and might, and direction, and guidance. I want you to think about this for just a minute. When Jesus was on the planet, walking with the disciples, they had all kinds of issues, all kinds of questions, all kinds of temptations. Peter even went so far as to deny him three times. But when Holy Spirit came on them, oh, come on, somebody, you need to hear this. When the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, that guy that denied Jesus stood and preached to crowds of thousands who just a few days before had killed his own master and declared, you were the ones who murdered him. There was a power that filled his life, a boldness, a confidence, a courage that was not there when Jesus walked beside him. But it came when Holy Spirit dwelt within him. Do you hear what I'm saying? You don't have to be a timid, weak-kneed Christian. You don't have to be as weak as IT and dead as chicken. You can come alive when the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And you can face those who would like to argue or debate you. You can stand against those who would like to shame you or put you away. You can face persecution and you can declare, Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. Over a hundred times in the Old Testament, we see examples of the Spirit coming upon men or women and enabling them to do mighty things for God. Do you know why David prayed in Psalm 51? Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Because he recognized the Spirit as this form of power. What propelled him, what enabled him. See, people saying, Saul killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And he's saying, it wasn't by my mind, it was the Spirit of God dwelling in me. When he stood to face Goliath, it wasn't his own courage. It was the courage of the Spirit of God flowing through him, rising up and saying, how dare you defy the living God? Oh, that God would so infill believers with the Holy Spirit today, we'd grow a backbone and we would stand up and say, how dare you defy the living God? Come on, God's looking for some people to be full of the Holy Spirit, to understand His power moving in our lives. I come to tell you the Holy Spirit is not a power to experience, but a person to know. Holy Spirit is not an ent. He is a he. I know pneuma, the Greek word from which spirit is translated, is gender neutral. But I also know the Bible gives masculine pronouns in describing Holy Spirit. I hate to break your little glass box. God is not a she. Holy Spirit is not a she. If you're praying to some feminine power, you're way off base and praying to a demon. Holy Spirit is a he. Holy Spirit dwells within us. I like what one guy wrote it this way. He has always been a God who is close and present, but only since Jesus returned to heaven 
has he taken up residence inside of us? And that makes him closer than ever. He came to be our helper. Number two, John 14, 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Notice again, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all in that verse. One of his roles is to be a teacher, another translation, a paraclete. He is to be our teacher. He brings truth to his disciples. He brings revelation to his disciples. Let me pause and tell you that that revelation the Holy Spirit brings always aligns with God's word. If you're hearing something that doesn't align with the word of God, you've been eating too many beans. You are not hearing the spirit of God. God never contradicts himself. He always aligns his spirit and his word and his message together. Always. He used to teach us truth. He helps us to remember everything that Jesus said. Now, here's the problem. If you never crack open the pages of the book, except on Sunday morning, you have no idea what Jesus said. And if you have no idea what Jesus said, how in the world can Holy Spirit bring back to your memory what he said? So here's my pitch in 2024. Make it a point every single day to read the Word of God, study the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God, and memorize the Word of God. I can't do that. My brain doesn't work that way. Yes, it does. You just haven't allowed it to. You bought the lie of that school teacher 42 years ago that said you can't memorize. That was a lie. I rebuke it. You can if you try. And when you try, Holy Spirit, would you open my mind and open my heart so I hear, I perceive, I understand, and I remember what I'm reading today. He'll do that for you. That's his role, to teach you and to bring to your remembrance everything that Jesus said. We need to know and understand that he is our teacher. John 15, 26, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. There's the Trinity again, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of truth. I said it once, I'll say it again. We live in a day when we need Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us. When we need to understand there is a lot of lie, a lot of confusion, a lot of cloud, a lot of nonsense, a lot of absolute demonic activity happening all around us, and the only way to know truth from error is by Holy Spirit. It's imperative that we learn to engage with Him every single day. Do you know when the Nicene Creed was written in AD 325? was actually written to combat a heresy that Jesus wasn't the Son of God. And then a few short years later in 8381, it was revised to combat a new heresy that Holy Spirit wasn't God. And those men years ago wrote these words, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, with the Father and the Son, he's worshiped and glorified. Holy Spirit bears witness to who Jesus is and brings truth into our lives. And then John 7, 16, 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. 
is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus used the word nevertheless to contrast how the disciples were feeling to what he was saying. Sometimes, friend, your feelings are just flat wrong. And if you're living by feelings, it's the exact opposite of living by faith. Now, I tell you something, there's a lot of times I don't feel like coming on Sunday morning. I just soon stay and sleep. Yeah, be nice to have a Sunday to sleep in. You say, well, you only work one day a week. What's the issue? I know, I know, I get it. I get it. I understand all that. The old 12-hour, half-day preacher, I get that. But I don't. Because I know God will have something for us. Can I be real, real with you? Wednesday morning, we're in Oklahoma City, and I woke up, was awakened by an extremely sharp pain in my lower right abdomen. Now, oh, this will go away. We got up, went about our day, went to a ball game that night in Oklahoma State. Thursday, it just continued to get worse. By the time we got here Thursday evening, I said, Yvonne, take me to the ER. After a few hours, I thought I had appendicitis. They were going to cut me open and remove something I didn't need anyway. By the way, why do we have that if we don't need it? Do you ever think about that? Useless piece of intestine that we don't need. I'm sure God had a reason. He just hadn't shown us what it is yet. After the test, they said, no, you don't have appendicitis. Well, that's good. No, you have acute diverticulitis, which is an infection in your intestines. Take these medicines, go home. You'll feel better in a few days. I woke up this morning. I felt worse than I had the whole time. When the alarm went off, I thought, I'll just roll over and sleep a while and then I'll call Pastor Leo at 9 o'clock and say, you're on this morning, dude. But then I thought, no, I'm not going to do that to him. I came in this morning, I asked him to put the podium on the floor because I had tried before anybody else got here to walk up the steps and I couldn't do it. But sometime from the time they begin to sing praise till the time I needed to walk up that step Though that pain diminished to the degree that I could do it. It's still there. It's not gone. But listen, I will not allow any circumstance to keep me from doing what God has called me to do. Someone not too long ago said, I've never seen a preacher go through as much as you've gone through in the years that you've been here. Well, I hope not. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But we have got to come to the place where what we feel does not determine how we act and what we believe. You may not feel good. That's okay. Get up, put your pants on, wash your face, come to church and begin to praise him. And that feeling begins to change. Because suddenly in the presence of a living God. Who says, I want to know you. Jesus says next to these guys in that verse is absolutely shocking. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. Advantage means useful, profitable, beneficial. The disciples thought, 
There's no way this is a good thing. You can't leave us now. We've given three years of our life to you, and now you're abandoning ship. You say, no, it's to your benefit. It's to your advantage. It's to your good that I go away, because when I go away, oh, did you hear it? When I go away, I send him to you. Who does he send? He sends Holy Spirit. Who's in this room today? Holy Spirit. What's he want to do? He wants to move in your life and my life and bring positive, powerful change in each one of us as we determine nothing the devil sets in front of me will deter me from doing what God has called me to do. Couldn't believe Yvonne told you the story of that video. Made me want to cry again. When we saw little Ayla saying, Pop said, Mimi, come back. Repeatedly. We would love to have done that. But we've heard a higher calling. And we cannot disobey the voice of God. We cannot allow how we feel to determine what we do or how we behave. We've got to understand God wants Holy Spirit to live within us. Let me ask you the question, which is it better? To have Jesus beside you or Holy Spirit in you? Which is better? To have Jesus beside you or Holy Spirit in you? Jesus said, it's to your benefit that I go away. Because I will send you one just like me. And he will live in you and dwell in you. He will guide you, direct you, teach you, empower you. I've come to tell you this morning, the spirit inside of us is better than Jesus beside us. And you can see that powerful shift when the day of Pentecost occurred and happened. And what happened in the lives of those 120 who had been behind closed doors. A.W. Tozier, years ago, wrote a book. And in that book, he said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. Tom, come back. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. Stand to your feet with me. This is my question. This is Holy Spirit's question to you. I believe he gave it to me to ask you and me. What are we doing in our own power and calling it service to God? that could be much, much better by allowing Him to work through us. And would you notice if Holy Spirit was no longer in your life? Would you even notice? Tom's going to sing this song again, Rain Down. I have no idea what time it is. Don't really care. It's God time. It's God time. And in this moment of time, God has prepared a place and an opportunity for you and I to engage Holy Spirit. It's right here. 
right now. As Tom begins to sing, I want you to say, let me rephrase that. If you would say, I need more of him. I need to engage with Holy Spirit. I need to stop relying on myself and start relying on him. Then as he sings, you just step out and come. Make it a personal time between you and Holy Spirit. If you need to repent, come with him. It's a perfect time to get your life right with God. As Tom sings, he's going to sing it through one time. He's going to sing it through one time. And then Sydney has a word for you. I asked him to hold it till the end because I thought it would fit better right now than earlier in the service. Come on, sing it through one time. Holy Spirit, rain down. Come on. Don't wait for anybody else. Rain down. This is all about encountering Holy Spirit, engaging oh, comforter and friend. My goodness, I'm here already. How I need your touch I want to engage you again. more in Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit that there had been a shift a shift in our praise and our washing folks that's what 2024 is going to be all about I'm going to use this illustration in a couple weeks but I'm going to tell you today I have two old pickups that I drive one's a 99 Ford one's a 71 Ford yeah I got a motorcycle too all of those vehicles are stick shifts standard transmissions means they have a clutch and you have to manually shift from gear to gear in those vehicles I can put them in neutral and I can put the foot feet clear to the floor but it's never gonna move it'll roar it'll scream it'll make a lot of noise but the vehicle doesn't move one single inch I'm here to tell you, Holy Spirit in you is that engine that's full of power, but he's waiting for you to put him in gear and let him move in your life. Oh, come on, folks. It's time to understand. It's not automatic. We have to engage with Holy Spirit. Step out and come, Sydney. Amen. I thank God for that word. I don't know who I'm talking to. I just want to ask the church, do y'all believe in the anointing? Because the anointing is truly here. You know, for three Sundays now, God has been dealing with me and he wouldn't release me. He keeps saying, you need to tell your people someone is broken. He said, I need to deal with brokenness. I don't know who I'm talking to, but God said, brokenness, brokenness. I have a secret of a Sunday so. I have a secret of a Sunday so. Ha, 
I know because I've been there. And I thank God for a praying wife. I've been in that place of brokenness. And you know when you're broken, the enemy can play with your mind. The same way I'm talking to y'all now, he said, just kill yourself. Commit suicide. But the Spirit came and spoke to me. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I don't know who I'm talking to, but God began to show me faces. Brokenness. <laughs> Brokenness through marriage. Brokenness through drugs. You turn to the bottle to drink and think it's going to help you. It's not. That must be. Brokenness through sickness. God is calling you now. Because he said, if you be ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. God is in the business of healing. And he said, I want to heal that brokenness. It's time to surrender it. But whoever I'm talking to, y'all need to come up here and line up right now. Step out right now. Respond. If you need prayer for an area of brokenness in your life, step out right now. Tom, you know who you again. are. Lift your voice and sing it out again, Tom. Young people. Praise you, Father. Peer pressure, brokenness. Praise you, You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.